This week on the ACO Podcast, it's all about Estonia. My name is Henry Diesma. I'm the bass singer in the Sodium Philharmonical Chamber Choir. I have been singing with them for 10 years now. One week out from the first ACO tour of 2019, I spoke with Henry about the massive changes that surrounded Estonian culture and everyday life when they regained independence from Soviet influence in 1991. Through lifelong involvement with the Estonian Philharmonic Chamber Choir, or EPCC, Henry saw firsthand how composer Arvo Pet went from nationally blacklisted under the occupying Soviets to becoming Estonia's greatest cultural export. Along the way, we'll be taking a close look at the music of Arvo Pet, including a deep dive under the hood of Pet's unique Tintinabuli technique used to construct the Berlin Mass. I'm Joseph Nazetti, multimedia producer with the Australian Chamber Orchestra. And today, I'll be taking you behind the scenes and behind the score on our first tour of the year, Ava Pert and J.S. Bach, featuring the exquisite voices of the Estonian Philharmonic Chamber Choir, alongside Richard Tonietti and the ACO. Ava Pert's music has moved audiences and performers alike for decades. Born in Estonia in 1935, Pert remained relatively unknown in the West until an album of his pieces was released by a new music label, ECM, in 1984. Since then, the broad appeal of his focused, minimalist style across piano, chamber, orchestral and choral works has seen his international reputation steadily expand. According to London-based music magazine Barktrack, Pet has been the most performed living composer in the world every year since 2011. For this tour, we'll be joined by the Estonian Philharmonic Chamber Choir to perform Avopert's Departure Domine, Zuma, Takata from his collage on BACH, and the centerpiece of the program, Pert's Berlin Mass. To understand the significance of Avopert's music within Estonian culture, we'll need to go back to 1991, when Estonia's independence was restored from the hands of the collapsing Soviet regime. Hello, Henry. Hello, Australia. <laughs> Thank you very much. Likewise, likewise. Uh, have you been to Australia before? I've been, yes. I, I, I was on a tour with, uh, with the EPCC back in 2012. Uh, last time when we were in Sydney, we, we were in, in Willamaloo. We stayed like 400 metres from King's Cross. Ah, yes, so yeah. That area. A lot of yeah. sitting on a bark bench and, and drinking wine after, after concerts. <laughs> That's perfect. Just to dive straight into things, I was hoping I could ask you about your experiences growing up in two very different Estonias. You were still rather young when Estonia achieved independence again in 1991. Do you remember how that felt at the time? I was nine. Mm. Oh, it definitely felt uh, a huge relief. The stores were quite empty. There wasn't a lot of food on the table. It's hard to imagine if your shoes are ruined, you can't go to a store and just buy another pair. Or the fact that we didn't have a phone. We, we were in the queue to get a phone to our house. Just imagine that you can't have a landline because there are just no landlines available for you. And you are standing in the queue for 20 years. That's the, that's the reality of Soviet system. So the change was very, very huge. 
And in terms of your formative musical experiences, do you remember how things may have changed at that time? My mother was actually, she had been singing in the choir just before they turned professional. It happens all the time, probably in Australia as well, that when your parents are musicians, then you end up being a musician as well. So yes, my mother sang uh, just just prior to EPCC's uh, professional... Uh, rebrand, yeah. <laughs> yeah, rebrand. That's a good one. So yes, I, I, I also tagged along and went to a lot of different venues and performances. So the choir, which had started in 1981, really had a chance to reinvent itself after independence in 1991. When the choir first started back in the early 80s, mm. the first decade actually belonged to Velio Tormis. He's also a contemporary composer. He was actually the teacher of, uh, of Arva Bart. He arranged folk music and he actually uh, sort of popularized folk music for Estonian people due to the Soviet times. So basically, folk was not very popular or even prohibited. Arva Bart was actually banned from any concert hall in the Soviet system because he migrated to Germany quite against uh, the government's will. Uh, along the lines of 10 years, a gap where no Arva Bart's music performed in the Soviet regime ever. Yeah. So 80s was really the decade of uh, Velodormis. That of course changed with the independence back in the early 90s. Yeah, right. The change didn't come overnight for Arobart, but it was still very, very early stages of the regained independence era. And then the first popular recording was Tedeum, with EPCC together with Tallinn Chamber Orchestra and conducted by Tenugaljuste. Tenugaljuste was, was also the founder of the, of the choir. And Tedeum recorded in 93 and, and then performed in 94, was basically the, the breakthrough for EPCC and guess you could say that even for Arvo Part because his choral music was not so much done in that sort of uh, perspective. I think that all started there. But he started to write for us a bit later. So who is Arvo Part? His sound appeared to come timeless and fully formed upon its wider discovery in the 80s and 90s. But arriving at that style took a five decade long journey. Growing up through the Second World War, and then from the age of nine behind the Soviet Iron Curtain, as a younger musician, Hertz's access to contemporary musical influences outside of Soviet-approved artists was limited. Hertz's early works, such as this Takata on B-A-C-H, which takes the letters of Bach's surname and turns them into the musical notes of B-flat, A, C, and B-natural, followed in the traditions of mid-century neoclassicism, polystylism, and a composition with fixed rows of 12 notes called tone rows. Their uncanny dissonances drew the ire and censorship of the Soviet regime. Like Shostakovich before him, Pet's music during this period was obliquely seditious, rooted in the past, but prone to ruptures and dissonance. Arriving at a period of creative stagnation around the age of 40, Pet changed course and began to study medieval and Renaissance vocal music. Through this process of self-discovery, Pert's unique, mature compositional style developed. This style, nicknamed Holy Minimalism, by those Western critics looking to associate it with the in-vogue American minimalists, is immediately recognisable for its stillness and its ancient spiritual atmosphere. 
underpinning this style across instrumental and vocal works is one special technique, one he calls tintinabuli, after the Latin word for bell. So what is tintinabuli? If you ask Avopet himself, you'll get the following answers. The complex and many-faceted only confuses me, and I must search for unity. The three notes of a triad are like bells. Tintinabuli is the rule where the melody and the accompaniment is one. First employed in the 1976 piano work Ferolina, here played by Australian pianist Tamara Anachislovska. Tintinabuli is a highly personal approach to harmonising simple, stepwise melodic material. I must say, Arvabeth's music is composed in a way that uh, it's, it's really like a, like a card house. You, you can't just take like few things off. When you take the strings off of a piece like uh, Adam's Lament or Berlin Mass, for that matter, you're left with a chair without a leg. So how does Tintinabuli fuse Arvopet's works together in this particularly unified way? Let's put it to the test with a melody we'll all immediately recognise. Stepwise motion is highly typical of Avopet's melodies in the Tintinabuli style, which makes Frere Jacques a perfect example. For the Tintinabuli line, we exactly match the rhythm of the original melody. This is where the magic happens. Instead of following the original tune with any conventional harmony, we arpeggiate against it by rolling up, down and around a fixed chord. Here, we pair the simple C major stepwise motion of Frere Jaca with a fixed A minor triad, which sounds rather meandering by itself. But drop in a low note, slow it all down, and put some spaces between each phrase. You have arrived at the unmistakable sound of Oped. The musical effect is uncanny. We are left with an extremely pleasing oscillation from dissonance to consonance, yet behind all this motion, the overall harmony remains still. This tension and release is spiritually significant. Simultaneous with the discovery of Tintinabuli, Pert had converted from Lutheranism to Orthodox Christianity. In a later interview with Icelandic musician Björk, Pert explained that one line is my sins, the next line is my forgiveness. With all this in mind, let's have a look at the first movement of the Berlin Mass. First, low strings enter on a G. This gives way to the first vocal entry, the altos, singing the word Kyrie, Lord, in a single descending line. This is followed by the first occurrence of Tintinabuli in the piece. The altos sing their next word, eleison, have mercy, with a stepwise descending line now joined by the Sopranos, who arpeggiate against them. The upper strings enter in the next phrase. Once again, with a stepwise melody laid on top of an arpeggiated accompaniment. Each additional phrase compounds the effect. With single ascending and descending stepwise melodic lines, combined and layered up with multiple passes of Tintinabuli from the other voices. Adjusting to the abstract musical lines created through Tintinabuli takes some getting used to as a performer. 
At first, when you take Arvopat's music and you see the line, how it is composed, and you think, that, my God, you, you could never do sort of those kind of jumps. But it's sort of like riding a bicycle. Once you get used to it, it's, it's super easy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's also sort of educational um, harmony-wise. So you always have to know whether you are singing the, the quint or the, or the, or the third. So you have to sort of adjust your sound in accordance with the, with the rest of the harmony. Yeah. And also as, as a performer, you are in the worst possible place uh, to sort of hear and enjoy the whole ensemble. Compounding these aspects of his Tintinabuli method are the unique approaches that Arvo Pert takes to setting texts in each of his choral compositions. The text is always meaningful, but text in a spiritual music, and his music is very much spiritual. The text has such a vast importance. Compositionally, the number of notes per syllable, the direction of each stepwise melody, are carefully coordinated as part of larger structural schemes. Unlike my arbitrary harmonization of Frere Jaca using Tintinabuli, when Ave Pert himself composes, none of this is left to chance. Rather, through careful iteration throughout the composition process, Pert is able to arrive at a specifically desired musical outcome. His mature works, like the Berlin Mass, are each the product of their own self-consistent set of rules private musical universes, aspiring to perfection on their own terms. So, Henry, congratulations on 10 years with the choir. Thank you so much. I wondered if you might tell us a bit about working with Averpaird himself. What's his personality like? Very, very deep and very honest as well. So, so basically, when you hear an interview with him, that's basically exactly like he is always deep in his thoughts. We've had a uh, very late recordings uh, every night this week, and uh, we are recording a few of his pieces. And uh, he, he came to our rehearsal just the other day. He just sits in the corner, listens very quietly. And then when he's sort of asked, what, what do you think? You have any, any suggestions? And he starts from a very distant, working his way back. He always has a point. Starts to talk about uh, uh, a flower on the meadow and then ends up in a church by the altar. And it all makes sense. Culturally, he, he must be so dominant for the work you do, both with EPCC and just Estonian music generally. I suppose just in wrapping up, it really is worth highlighting how much of a comeback he's made in his own lifetime after being a pariah for much of it. I had a look on your website and I saw that tomorrow night you're actually performing at the Arvo Pert Centre. Yes, we are. <laughs> it's a very pretty building, to say the least, on the north coast of, uh, of Estonia. It's situated inside a pine tree forest. And basically the building is surrounded and it is surrounding uh, trees as well. So it's very, very integrated. A lot of glass, sort of natural surfaces. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Hey, Henry, thank you again so much for joining us. I'm looking forward to meeting you rather soon, actually. A week now, yeah. A week. <laughs> Super. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining Henry and I for this episode of the ACO podcast. Also featuring heavily in this first concert tour is the music of Johann Sebastian Bach. We'll be saving our 2019 deep dive into Bach's music for October, when Richard takes the band on tour 
playing our Intimate Bark program with violist and composer Brett Dean and harpsichord player Aaron Helliard. Till next time, this has been Joseph Nazetti and the Australian Chamber Orchestra Podcast. Yeah, it, 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 ooh. Sorry, that's just my dog. I'm just going to come and touch <laughs> Oliver, come on, mate. Hello, doggy. Dog. <laughs> Demanding a place on a, on, a, on a podcast. Well, uh, who would you say now?